welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Your Bible, and I hope you do, open your Bible up to the book of 1 Timothy. I'm going to read a charge here for Innocent and his family. The Bible's very clear about the office of deacon. The Bible gives us two offices in a church. The office of pastor, which is also called overseer and bishop and elder. It's an interchangeable word. That would be the office I hold. And we also have the office of deacon. Now what's interesting about these two offices is the qualifications for these offices are actually all about character. It's not about competence and not about your skill set. It's about, are you a man of God? Are you someone whom has a relationship with the Lord and lives daily for the Lord? So I want to read this um, scripture here. Usually in our churches, in Baptist, Southern Baptist churches, sometimes, I don't want to say usually, but uh, very frequently you will find what you would call a very strong deacon-led churches. Who's ever been in a church with a strong deacon body? Now, when I say strong deacon body, I'm talking in many ways, if it's going to happen in the church, the deacons have to give their stamp of approval. They are the final say on pretty much anything major. Now, little things they're not going to be involved in, but any major initiative, anything that costs a lot of money, any big decision, the deacons are going to have their stamp of yay or nay. Who's been in a church like that before with strong deacons? So about a third of you raised your hand. Where that you see where in many ways you might even call that a deacon-led church. Where the deacons are actually, whether they want to or not, they're actually leading the church through their office. There are several problems with that. The first problem with that is it's not scriptural. The word deacon means to serve. A deacon is someone who serves the church. And a good way to understand this is going to war. Now, in a church or in a country, we are a nation of America. There's a difference between national and state boundaries. We might go to war with China. China is another country. There is a national boundary there. So you would have a war that would go on. Now, Kentucky, obviously, is a state. The state below us is Tennessee. We do not get the Kentucky National Guard to go attack the Tennessee National Guard and have two states going at war. At least not yet. We haven't done that. Maybe in the 1800s that happened, but two states for the most part, should not be going to war with each other. That's called a civil war. It's internal fighting. Those are state boundaries. 99% of the things that happen in a church when so-called issues come up, they're usually over these state boundaries. State boundaries would say, how do we spend money? What are your preferences? What do you want? What do you feel is most important? A national boundary in a church is what we would call a doctrinal boundary. You have someone maybe teaching or preaching that Jesus is not the only way. 
You might have someone affirming a homosexual lifestyle. That's something that directly breaks the Word of God. It's very clear between a national and a state boundary. We wouldn't, if China attacked us, you would expect the United States to return fire. There would be some type of response. You've, you've attacked our land. If Tennessee attacked Kentucky, you would look at them, what are you doing? We're, the, we're both Americans. I've got friends in Tennessee, a family that lives down there. We'd beat you on football. Like, how well, on earth would you come and attack us? Do you see the difference? And so much of being a deacon, I share this illustration, because the wise deacon understands the difference between a national and a state boundary. Something over preferences, something over, uh, I could maybe see the other way. You could, might not be my cup of tea, but if that's what you want to do, go for it. That's a state boundary. Doctrinal issues, character, that's a national boundary. So when we read the qualifications for being a deacon, these are the same qualifications for being a pastor. These are national boundaries here. So I want you to follow along here in your Bibles. Innocent, this is a charge, what we're going to read here. And Innocent's family's here, Miss Kareem. Their children are hallowed, also goes by Ketty. And Fortune Holness, who's the president of our Sunday, Sherry Osmond's Sunday school class. She's two. And we have Miss Joy, and she's one of our uh, faithful nursery attendees in there. So they have four little girls. Innocent is a, a godly man whom God has raised up that meets these qualifications. A healthy church is one that you see a pipeline of young men coming up, and not just men, families too, coming up and receiving the call to be a deacon. And let's look here at what the God's Word says. Verse 8, Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. That means it shouldn't be someone who walks off the street who's been here a few weeks or a few months. I know that uh, the Ketty family's been here since 2017. They joined our church in 2017. They're faithful in attendance when the, every time the doors are open. They bring their family. They support our church. They support their pastor. It goes on to say, after they've been tested, if they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Blameless means you look at a man's life and you think, well, based on the Scripture qualifications, there's nothing here that would disqualify you for being a deacon. There's, there's, there's not, they're holding on to the faith. There's not other issues in their life that would raise a red flag. It goes on to say here about wives. Wives, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slander, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their old households competently. That means the deacon, the pastor, his family should be at church. Now they might be wild, they're running, I always say, justify it. It's better to have wild children at church, at least run around the church, they're here, than not be here. 
I mean, you know, children are going to be children. But they're here. They're going to hear God's word. Maybe, maybe when we were younger, we were wild and we ran around church. Okay, I was the only one that way, but anyway. It tells us here that your household, your family, should be in God's house. Folks, we should not be coming to church alone. There's a family of God. God's people include all ages. As Joshua said, and I quoted this morning, as for me and my house, meaning the whole house, we will serve the Lord. The family that attends church together is the family that stays together. It's a God-centered lifestyle. When you see families at a church, you should support those families. One of the greatest supports is Miss Sandy Cloyd. You all know what she does. She carries around a bag. That's not a J.C. Penney bag she's carrying around. She didn't go shopping before she came to church. She's carrying around a bag filled with candy. And she walks around and hands it out to children and some adults as well. Because she's affirming family. She's affirming children. Children and adults look forward to seeing that bag. When you see families here at Broadway, you want to affirm them. You want them to know this is a place for them. They belong here. There's a place. There's a pew for you. That's a good thing. You all are a blessing to our family. You'll be a blessing to Beecher's family. You pray for his family. You, they, you learn their names. You let, find out when their birthdays are. You, every time you can see them, you say, you sure are growing up. That means a lot. You pat them on the head. Little things like that. It, they go a long way. I remember Elizabeth. I brought her to a Kentucky football game for her first one two weeks ago. And I put a picture on Facebook. And several of you, or many of you said, Elizabeth, I'm so proud of you. You got to go to your first UK football game. She came home after church that day. We were in the car. We got home. said, Dad, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and asked me if I liked the UK football game. Because you put that picture on Facebook. You affirmed her. That, that means a lot. She remembers that. You should, when you see children, you should do the same. That's important. So a, the, a household should be in God's house. They should be here. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves. And look at this word. And great boldness. That's our key word in our prayer time today for day 22. In the faith and in Christ Jesus. It's an honor for us to be able to ordain innocent. He can serve for 40, 50 years as a deacon. And if it's not just our church, in other churches as well. And he can look back and say, I was faithful in serving the Lord. The Bible says that is affirming of someone who has great faith. And one of the great things we as church folks do is when you see folks that are serving the Lord is what they're supposed to be doing, you want to acknowledge that and give that appreciation to them. So much of being a deacon is understanding the difference between what is a national and what is a state boundary. Because that will determine whether or not this is really important, like a real war, you're defending the faith, or are we fighting over 
preferences and how to spend money. Because if it's over preferences and over money, then that's not a moral issue. It's not something that's worth the fight. We trust the Lord in those areas. But the Bible is very clear over defending our faith and defending the Word of God. Those are national boundaries. And I believe that churches that experience revival and the churches that will thrive here in America are the ones that can distinguish what's most important. Because more and more, I said it's 99%. Joe, you're our chairman deacons. One day, as our corrupt culture changes, it might not be 99%, it might be 80%. Because the issues are facing the church. More and more, you have to know what and why you believe. All right, I am going to invite Innocent to come forward. Innocent, I'm going to invite you to come forward and share briefly. I'm going to grab you a microphone, and then um, we're going to, I'm going to have a chair here, and we're going to, I'm going to give you this. church. I can tell you how privileged I am to, to serve in the deacons body of this church. Um, this church has been everything to us since we got here in the United States in 2017. This is the first church we got to. Raphael brought us here and just told us he's just bringing us here to see where he worships and he's not imposing on us to to worship in this church and when we got here we decided to stay when we got here pastor was preaching on the book of James we still remember vividly how poignant those messages were and uh, I can't say without uh, acknowledging and being recognizant to what the taught arts church cook class uh, also did in, uh, to us, how, help, how they helped us and how they, they assisted us to settle down here in the United States, uh, here in Kentucky, and made us feel comfortable and they made us feel at home in this church. And I will never be thankful enough to Brother Rob and Sister Kathy for, for their participation, for their assistance, for standing by us. Not only that time, up till now, they are always there, and just like most of the members of this church, and we are very grateful. And I, I acknowledge that being a deacon is a very huge responsibility. It is, it is not something that we take lightly. We, we can only look up to God for help. I mean, to help us to be able to carry out our responsibilities as our responsibility. When I say our, I am referring to me and my family. Uh, as deacons, we can only look up to God to help us and strengthen us and uh, stand with us to, to be able to um, carry out our responsibilities as deacons. 
uh, I know also that as a, as, as, as a deacon, or being a deacon in this church, it is an opportunity of growth, spiritual growth for us as a family. I mean, working with all the strong and powerful deacon members of this church is something I, I really do uh, cherish because they are people who are uh, full of experience and have a lot that they can help us with and we are looking forward to learning from them and growing in the faith continually. Um, because, I mean, when I say that I am still learning and I am still growing, I, I remember what Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, when he said, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We have not arrived yet, and we can... I've heard all the good things pastor said about me, but I tell you if there is anything I am scared of is compliments. I mean, those good things, not because they are bad, because I wonder if I am really that, you know? Uh, so I gave my life to Christ in 2003, uh, back in Cameroon. And before then, my parents took us to church when we were young as kids and so I grew up just because my parents were taking us to church I grew up thinking I was a Christian uh, but I stopped going to church at some point in my life for about 12 years and then until 2003 when it dawned on me I realized that I desperately needed Christ in my life as my personal Lord and Savior, and I surrendered my life to him in 2003. And so um, since 2003 up to now, it's been 18 years the Lord has been doing great things in, uh, in my life. And fast forward to 2006 when I met my special one, Karine, my wife. Where we got, I met her in 2006. We got married in 2007. And I always tell her, I couldn't have asked for a better companion. I couldn't have asked for a better wife. I mean, the support she, she gives us as a family is so outstanding. And so within the past 14 years, God has blessed us with four kids, like Pastor already mentioned, you know, Holloway, Fortune, Wholeness, and Joy. And they are so precious to us, and we keep thanking God for their lives every day. Uh, I, I decided to go to the seminary in 2010. When I say I decided, it's because I felt the, the pressure inside of me. I believed at some point I was so sure that God wanted me to, to serve, and I thought I couldn't serve in any capacity without having some form of training. And so I, I first went, to, went off and got trained with Youth with a Mission. It's a missionary organization which is interdenominational. It's in about 170 countries or more around the world. And we were trained for six months. And when I got back, 
I still felt that the training was not enough. I went off to the seminary and got trained in the seminary for four years and graduated with a bachelor's degree in theology. And so um, it's been wonderful uh, working with the Lord. And so just before I close, I want to share a, a verse from Second Corinthians that has always kept me searching my heart every time because it's such a verse that every time I read it, I feel like it's scary. Let's turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Second Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail to test. You fail the test, rather. And so the church uh, of Corinth was one of those churches where you had a lot of activities going on. It was a vibrant church. It was an active church. But also the church of Corinth had this characteristic of sin. It was a sinful church. It was a rebellious church. It was that kind of church that was resistant to to, to the word of God. It, it, it was a church that had terrible immorality going on in it. And so when Paul looked at the church, he was concerned about the church and he was concerned about the believers and about the people of the church. And he thought he had to call these people out. And he suggested that they examine themselves. Paul said, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. There are moments in our lives when we need to pause a little bit. We need to take a break and be like, wait, there is something I need to verify. I need to, I need to be sure about something. I need to affirm something. Am I just being active in the church? Am I just being busy in the church? Or am I really counted as a child of God? Am I a Christian? Sometimes we can get caught up in our routines, in our activities, in many things that we are doing in church. And the most essential thing, the most, the most, uh, the, the, the most important thing will slip off our minds without us realizing uh, that that is the most essential thing just because we get, too, we get too busy. And so sometimes turning, uh, having a pause and stopping and having a moment of evaluation of ourselves helps us to, 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 to affirm or to, to, to be sure whether we are in the faith or not. I say that because I said my parents used to take me to church and when I was growing up, I thought I was a Christian just because my parents took me to church until I realized that going to church does not necessarily make me a child of God. And so these are one of the passages that spoke to me. These are one of the passages that challenged me. And you know, if, 
it doesn't challenge you it doesn't change you and so apostle paul looked at the poor attitude the poor behavior and all the sins that characterize the church of corinth and he was like are you sure something is not wrong here it is time to check it is time to just pause a little bit wait there must be something you might be very busy things might be going on but you need to check if you are truly in the faith and so when we look at our individual attitudes as christians as individuals individual members here in church can we truly say to ourselves that we are in the faith we is we just need to look at ourselves individually search our search our hearts and we should be able to tell are we in the faith or is everything right because it's possible for people to pass through the church and go to hell god forbid i pray that that will not be my portion and thank god i got saved it doesn't suffice to be in here it is important to be sure and be double sure whether we are in the faith and so as we go through these 40 days of prayer and fasting of prayer some people might be fasting of course of prayer preparing leading up to our revival it is time for some self-evaluation as individuals as a church we got to be evaluating ourselves to see if we are on the right track. Are we pursuing the course that God set out for us? And during this moment of evaluation, if God opens our eyes, if God opens your eyes to something, or if you have any doubts, anyone has any doubts, we have a strong pastoral team, a team of deacons. We can walk up to somebody you can talk to one of our pastors one of our deacons they can be of help to us they can help us guide us to be sure whether we are in the faith or we are not in the faith i thank god for this brief moment of sharing and i just want to pray for us as i close Dear Jesus, Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace upon our lives. We thank you, Jesus, that you have been good and you have been faithful to us in many ways. We pray that you will be at the center of our hearts. You will be at the center of everything we do as a church that it will be all about you and nothing else. We commit the rest of the service in your hands. As we move on, we pray, dear Jesus, that your hand will rest upon us as you guide us in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. We commit this brief exhortation that, Father, it will sink deep in our hearts and it will bring transformation in our lives in jesus name we pray with thanksgiving amen